athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Plenty to get to today as you're tuned in to the dopest show on radio. From the press box to press row, I am your host, Donald Ware. Congratulations to Drew Brees, who is the National Football League's all-time leading passer. And yes, he did it against the team I cheer for, the Washington Redskins, in dramatic fashion on Monday Night Football. As a matter of fact, the play that he got the record on, um, deep play, and then ultimately the receiver catches the ball, probably should have been pushed out of bounds, wasn't. I think that was just destiny. And I think if you're a Redskins fan, you don't put too much into that football game. It was a night of destiny. All of the stars aligned. It was Monday night football. Drew Brees trying to break the record. All that New Orleans had been through. And um, and, and as a matter of fact, all that Drew Brees had been through throughout the course of his career. And for him to be able to break the record in that fashion. Listen. You know, again, I'm a Skins fan. If you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that. I don't even worry about this game. I put it in the back of my mind. At the end of the day, the Redskins are still atop the NFC East. And, you know, with this football game, I don't think we found anything out. I don't think they were um, as good as their 2-1 and one record may have indicated. And I don't think they're as bad as they played against the Saints. I think it was just the Saints' night. I think it was Drew Brees' night, and uh, and what a night it was. The only thing I would say, and it's just these these foolish rules that the National Football League has. After he broke the record, it was a lot of celebration there. Um, the Saints got a 15-yard penalty. Remember, after that, after all of the thing died down, they had the ceremony for him, as a matter of fact, and you know all of that. There, the Saints kicked the ball off from the 20-yard line, so. I guess I'm confused. I mean, I don't know if anybody saw this, but I guess I'm just confused. And again, it goes back to these all of these ridiculous rules that the National Football League has. You he breaks the record. It's a monumental moment. You stop the game for him to be able to to be recognized and all of that. And then he gets the 15 yard penalty. Now, I don't know. Maybe it was a situation where um the the, it's, the Saints knew they were going to get the penalty. You know, like when you like you used to see um, in HBCU football uh, when it was homecoming uh, or or otherwise, and the bands would play over the allotted time, and then the home team would get the 15 yard penalty. Maybe it was a situation like that. So if if that's the case, then that's fine. But if not, then just one of those uh, ridiculous rules. But in any event. You know, when I think about Drew Brees, see, we're all about 
Drew Brees' story here on From the Press Box to Press Row. He was the guy that came out of Purdue, not necessarily known as a great football school. He was the guy that was less than six feet tall. He was the guy that they said wouldn't make it in the National Football League. He was the guy that, if you remember going back to that draft with Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers, he was the guy that Manning ultimately did not want to come. They drafted Phillip Rivers coming out of North Carolina State, and he was Phillip Rivers was going to be the guy to replace Drew Brees. Well, it took Phillip Rivers a, a little bit of time, a, a couple of years or so, to get onto that field because Drew Brees just would not let it go. He continued to fight. He he helped to bring New Orleans a world championship. He's passed for 5,000 yards so many seasons. He just continues to do it and do it and do it despite what everybody says, despite all of the shortcomings that that people think that he has. And see, that's what we're all about here on From the Press Box to Press Row. It's all about people say this and you can't do this and you play at a black college and you play at a small college and you can't do this and you can't do that. Well, I'll tell you what, we've had a lot of HBCU guys that have been able to do a lot of great things, uh, sports and otherwise, I mean, even if you look at what Darius Leonard is doing right now with the Colts, he leads, at least was leading the National Football League in tackles. He did not play in the game against the Patriots. He was out because of injury during that game. But you look at Drew Brees and all of the naysayers and all of the things that were said about him coming out of college. He was too short. He played at Purdue. This, that and the other. Well, guess what? He is the National Football League's all-time leading passer. And it's not like it's just about the stats. Again, in the National Football League, yeah, I get it. Stats are, are, are an important factor, particularly in fantasy football. This whole fantasy football movement and the stats are out of control. And, you know, you look across the landscape of professional sports and, you know, in Major League Baseball, there's all, there's war and all these other stats. Listen, at the end of the day, in my mind, in professional sports, did you win or didn't you win? And at the end of the day, Drew Brees has the numbers as the all-time leading passer in National Football League history, and he has a Super Bowl and numerous playoff appearances throughout the course of his career. So congratulations to Drew Brees. And what he was able to accomplish on Monday night football in the Saints victory. And as a matter of fact, hopefully we're scheduled as a matter of fact, I say, hope, but we're scheduled next week to be joined by Saints left tackle to Ron Armstead to Ron Armstead scheduled to join us next week. On From the Press Box to Press Row, you remember going back some couple of years ago, he was a third round draft pick out of Arkansas Pine Bluff by the New Orleans Saints and holds down that left tackle spot. As a matter of fact, when that touchdown or uh, catch in and then ultimately touchdown run, the throw was made by Drew Brees. It was Teron Armstead who was right there first and foremost to hug Drew Brees. And so Teron Armstead scheduled to join us next week here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Got a lot to get to today on the program. As a matter of fact, the NBA season 
begins next weekend. By the before I even talk about the NBA season, you know, I was doing the show last week. I was, you know, last week I was so, so busy. So I'm doing the show. I'm sitting there talking to you guys, talking about Chris Paul and talking about the Clippers. I kept saying the Clippers, the Clippers, the Clippers, because I kept associating Chris Paul with the Clippers, even though he it was the Rockets is what I meant to say. Yet Clippers is what came out of my mouth. So I, I apologize to you when I was talking about Carmelo Anthony and still him having something left in the tank. I meant to say the Rockets and I was continuously saying the Clippers. So I apologize to you uh, about that. Uh, NBA talk today on the program. As a matter of fact, going to replay an interview that we had back in August with Washington Wizards point guard John Wall to kind of get you set for the NBA season. And then also joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media. And of course, that is the website of the Memphis Grizzlies. And Mike has joined us many a time over the year, whether he was uh, he was writing for ESPN or whatever Mike was doing. He's done so many things. He's covered the NBA for so many years. So I want to get his thoughts on quite a few things. LeBron James in L.A. I want to get his thoughts on the Jimmy Butler situation. I want to get his thoughts on the Memphis Grizzlies. Can they return to form? Um, I also want to get his thoughts on Christian Abercrombie. Talked about him extensively last week. The young man, the linebacker from Tennessee State who um, was seriously injured going back a couple of weeks ago in the Vanderbilt game. The Tennessee State uh, played. He's made uh, some progress. Talked a lot last week about his mother and all that. You know, just how strong a woman, how faithful a woman she is and so want to get an update from mike wallace about christian abercrombie as well as about the nba is mike wallace going to join us a little bit later on on the program it is in fact the midway point of the hbcu football season and so that means i'm going to give you my top five players at the midway point we did a top five players to watch and really only one one of those players um, from the top five players to watch is on this list of the top five players at the midway point. As a matter of fact, just looking, going with my team and just kind of looking, um, you know, at some things. We just really prepared this um, just about maybe hmm, about an hour or so before we came on the air. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think I feel pretty solid about who I have on this list and I'm excited to give this list to you guys because, you know, I think there's going to be some surprises. I mean, there are some teams that are playing very well right now. I think there's some teams that uh, people never saw coming like Morehouse. I never saw Morehouse coming. I mean, if you heard me throughout the daily podcast all summer or when talking about the SIAC to me in the East, it was all about Benedict. It was all about the Benedict Tigers, perhaps Albany State could challenge you can't count out fort valley state they won the siac championship a couple of years ago they went to the championship game last year so you can't really count them out um but uh they're morehouse boy they remain undefeated the morehouse maroon tigers six and oh remember i talked about this last week i said at that point hey they're five and oh they've they've won some close games but this is going to be the true test against tuskegee last week true test against tuskegee last week and morehouse passed the test 30 to 24 triple overtime victory over 
uh, Tuskegee. And so you're going to be surprised at this list. It is the midway point of the HBCU football season. And again, I'm ranking the top five players at the midway point. Also want to talk uh, a little bit about week six, kind of wrap up week six. A lot of upsets, a lot of upsets in week six of the HBCU football season. Um, probably most notably uh, Alabama State defeating Alcorn State in five overtimes, five overtimes, 28 to 25. You'll hear about that game in this week's box to row blitz as well. So we got a whole lot to get to on today's program. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row B O X T O R O W or on Facebook B O X the number two R O W to join in on the conversation. Got great radio stations around the country that carry from the press box to press row stations uh, like WGBN in Pittsburgh or WFSK in Nashville or WURK in Tampa or WKAZI in Austin or Power 750 uh, uh, in in Raleigh or so many great stations, WNAA in Greensboro, uh, Big Sports Radio in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, all of these great radio stations around the country that carry from the press box to press row, we say thank you. Those listening to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142, we say thank you. And those listening to us around the world at PotchToRow.com, as I mentioned, still to come on the program as I'm running out of time in this segment. Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media, going to join us on the program. Also joining, uh, well, also we're talking about the top five players at the midway point. I'm going to give you my top five players at the midway point of the HBCU football season. Plus, we're wrapping up week six and looking forward to week seven as From the Press Box to Press Row rolls on. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row. The biggest names are guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day, you know, um... We've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, yeah, and I was really um, ready and serious and just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Yo, I'm getting ready to put y'all up on something, man. Yo, when you see something ill. You know what I mean? That's woke. Anything ill you see is woke. Have me a big six at the It's always like woke here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Still to come here on the program, we're going to talk some NBA. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. Also, my top five players at the midway point. Want to wrap up week six of the HBCU football season and look towards this upcoming weekend. And again, we had a, a a couple of upsets. I never, I gotta be honest, I never saw 
that Chawan was going to beat Bowie State, but Chawan emphatically beat Bowie State as a matter of fact. And um, in that football game, Chawan has always scored a lot of points. I mean, it, the Hawks have n- had no trouble scoring points where the Hawks have fallen short really ever since they've been in the CIAA, which has been, I think, officially since 2009. It may have been 2010, but they've had problems. Really a lot of trouble stopping people. Well, not this time. You hold a Bowie State offense who is a prolific offense to 23 points in the ball game. Meanwhile, Chawan scores 42 points in the victory. Amir Hall still putting up some pretty good numbers. This time he had three passing touchdowns. But this time around, he also had two interceptions in the ball game. It is very Amir, unlike Amir Hall. And again, Chawan defeating Bowie State 42-23. to Another big loss or an upset loss, I would say, Alcorn State losing to Alabama State 28-25 to in five overtimes. I say that this is an upset because Alabama, I mean, listen, Alabama State, Donald Hill Illy's doing a good job at Alabama State. If you remember going back to last season, he took over the program in the middle of the season. They won five of their last six ball games. They've been sort of up and down a little bit this season. They've played some tougher opponents, no question about that. But to open the season, they escaped by beating Tuskegee at home in overtime. So to be able to go on the road to Lorman, Mississippi, homecoming in Alcorn, that could not have played well in Lorman, Mississippi, where they really support the Braves. There's a lot of support for Alcorn State by the Brave Nation. And to lose that game to Alabama State 28-25, to a good football game, but uh, five overtimes. Now you're looking at a situation where still a lot of football left to play. Anything can happen. But if there is a tiebreaker, Alabama State holds the tiebreaker over Alcorn State. You're talking about Alcorn State, the uh, the four-time defending Eastern Division champions. So um, good football game there. Um, listen, Alabama State comes away with the victory. I'm not going to call this game an upset, but North Carolina Central redeems itself, defeats Howard 40-35. to That game was at North Carolina Central. Again, you're talking about the Eagles a couple of weeks ago coming off the 55-14 to loss at the hands of Florida A&M. And to be able to bounce back, because again, as I mentioned last week, you're talking about a more prolific offense coming into Durham. The problem with the Eagles this year has been defensively yeah they only scored 14 points against Florida A&M I think Florida A&M's defense is pretty good but to be able to rebound and outscore Howard they had to outscore Howard to win this football game and you're talking about Chauncey Caldwell with an outstanding football game 464 yards of total offense in the game responsible for four touchdowns he was one of our box to row national players of the week a magnificent game for Chauncey Caldwell and North Carolina Central still going to be trying to hang around in that MEAC race. Meanwhile, now Howard has one loss in the MEAC also. Um, taking a look in, in a couple of more games with respect to week six before we move along to week seven. Listen, Morehouse, again, Morehouse defeating Tuskegee in overtime, 30 to 24, three overtimes in that game. And I mentioned it last week. I said, listen, Morehouse is playing well. They 
obviously are, have to be in the conversation when you're talking about the SIAC's Eastern Division. If you asked me before the season, I would have said no. We did have Rich Freeman on, I think, third week of the season or so. Talked with him about it at that time. Morehouse was uh, either 2-0 and or 3-0. and I think they were 2-0. and is right before the Chicago Football Classic against Miles. They passed that test, got a scare from Kentucky State the next week, and then passed the ultimate test, at least to this point, by beating Tuskegee. And they're getting it done with Michael Sims at the quarterback. And then also Santos Dunn, that the running back, had a hundred and almost 130 yards rushing. He had three rushing touchdowns, including the game winner. He was our other Baxter National Player of the Week. A great football game for Dunn. And uh, he and Sims really, really getting it done offensively. For Morehouse and Morehouse doing just enough defensively to uh, to get really to to be in the running for the Eastern Division crown. Still a lot of football left to play. Still got to face Fort Valley State. Still got to face Benedict, who I think is going to win it. But ultimately, Morehouse is on the right track. And because of that, Morehouse moves all the way up to number three, all the way up to number three in the box to row media poll. Florida A&M defeating Norfolk State 17 to nothing. And before I go on, we, we've got to uh, say that our thoughts and prayers are with those affected by Hurricane Michael. And um, Florida just absolutely got pounded. I was on the conference call, uh, the MEAC conference call, as a matter of fact, on Tuesday. And Willie Simmons um, really talked about um, the fact that that. Uh, the Florida A&M football team was going to kind of ride the storm out and going to make their way up to Greensboro to take on A&T on Saturday. That's going to be a big-time football game, the Boxer Row National Game of the Week, first place on the line in the MEAC. But, you know, Florida A&M continues to roll, defeating Norfolk State last week 17 to nothing. It was homecoming in Tallahassee. We had Willie Simmons on the program last week, and – Listen, Florida A&M continues to roll. They continue to get it done behind the play of Ryan Stanley, their quarterback, um, and others. The defense, as I mentioned, not bad either. And uh, so that's going to be a really, really good showdown between North Carolina A&T and Florida A&M. Very much looking forward to that football game. Going to be in Greensboro on Saturday. And also, by the way, I mentioned the fact that Morehouse had moved up to number three in the media poll. Check that. Number two. Morehouse ranked number two in the Box to Road media poll. Let's take a look at week seven. Some pretty big matchups, especially uh, starting out when you're looking at the CIAA as Virginia State's going to be at number 10. Bowie State again. Bowie State coming off that loss to Chowan. Meanwhile, Virginia State has won three straight football games. This is going to be a good game last year. Virginia State got the victory and it enabled the Trojans to be able to play and ultimately play in and ultimately win the CIAA championship game. And so um, this time around, Bowie State, boy, if they lose this game, I, I don't know. I think Bowie State may be done because they already have one loss in the Northern Division, and Virginia State would be 4-0. Another big game in the CIAA, Virginia Union, is going to be at Chowan again. Chowan coming off the win against Bowie State. Virginia Union put up 90 points on Lincoln of Pennsylvania last week. I know Lincoln of Pennsylvania, not a very good football program, but 90 points is what Virginia Union put up. And if you look at the stats, it wasn't like Virginia Union had all of these 
amounts of, of total offense. It wasn't even like that. Um, it was just one of those deals where, I mean, Lincoln is just, just, just not a good, uh, just not a good program um, at all. A couple of other games to keep your eye on. Alcorn State is at Alabama A&M. Don't look now, but Alabama at A&M is two and one over uh, in the in the SWAC. They're three and three overall. Alcorn State, uh, Alcorn State again reeling after that tough loss at the hands of Alabama State. It was homecoming, five overtime game. What a game that must have taken a lot out of the Alcorn State players. Meanwhile, Alabama A&M has got some momentum. And this is a this is a big game because, listen, Alcorn State loses this game. I, I don't I don't know if they are going to be able to rebound. It's basically right now between Alcorn State, Alabama A&M and Alabama State, a win by Alabama. The loser of this game between let's put it like this. The loser of this game between Alcorn State and Alabama A&M probably is pretty much out of the running of the Eastern Division. I mean, anything could happen because you still got a lot of season remaining, but especially if Alcorn State loses this game, why? Because then they're down a tiebreaker to both Alabama A&M and Alabama State. So we're definitely going to keep our eyes on that football game. Um, other games to really watch out for um, somewhat. Bethune-Cookman in South Carolina State. If you're Bethune-Cookman, one loss already in the conference, you cannot afford two. South Carolina State, that game going to be in Orangeburg. And South Carolina State is looking for the upset in that football game. Um, Tuskegee and Fort Valley State should be pretty interesting. Also mentioned Morehouse still having to play the likes of Albany State and, uh, of course, um, uh, Benedict. Well, this weekend, Morehouse is going to host Albany State. So they go from winning a big football game against Tuskegee to hosting another big football game against Albany State. And, again, week in and week out, Morehouse has to continue to prove itself and I mean, don't look now, but again, Albany State has won three football games as well. And then, of course, the Boxer Row National Game of the Week between Florida A&M and North Carolina A&T. That game going to be in Greensboro. And again, you're talking about Ryan Stanley, the quarterback for Florida A&M. He's playing well. He's got a running game behind him. He's got a pretty good defense also. Meanwhile, A&T has rebounded uh, nicely. They've won two straight games. Um, they destroyed Delaware State last Saturday. Um, and, and Lamar Raynard, the quarterback, is really starting to come around. Got off to a really slow start, but has had two back-to-back games where he's thrown for six touchdowns and no interceptions. So we'll see how that game plays out. A duel between two of the elite quarterbacks in the MEAC should be a good game in Greensboro. Up next, Mike Wallace of Grind City Media joins us. Joining us on the line here on From the Press Box to Press Row, no stranger to the program. It's the first time in 2018 we've had a chance to catch up with him, but I tell you what, he he does it all. As a matter of fact, he is the senior editor of Grind City Media, uh, covers the NBA, covers college football. We're going to talk some Tennessee State. We're going to talk all things with Mike Wallace. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter 
at my mic check. What's going on, Mike? Happy 2018, even though it's almost 2019, man. <laughs> I know, man. It's like Happy New Year in October, man. But it's all good, family. You know how it is. We 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 definitely didn't have a chance to speak yet uh, as the season goes. But hey, there's been so much going on that we can always catch up and make up for lost time as we move forward. I, I want to start because you know the situation with respect to the young man Christian Abercrombie, the linebacker for Tennessee State. You know, that was such a, a, a freakish type of play, man. We're, you know, what's the stat? He seems to have progressed from all the reports I've read. But what's what's sort of the, the progress with respect to Christian at this point? You know, he, he still remains in critical condition. I mean, I think that's one thing that we all have to keep in mind, um, despite the remarkable resolve and strength and, and, and faith and show of community and, and, and gratitude that, that we've seen pour out of Tennessee State University, that football program, Vanderbilt University, which is three miles away from Tennessee State, uh, you know, the, the state of Tennessee, and then people across the nation. And, you know, the NCAA has stepped up and allowed some things to happen for the family and for Chris, on Christian's behalf um, that got around some of the red tape um basically look man it, 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 they still can't really pinpoint the play in which anything drastic happened um but but w- what we know obviously is that the young man came out uh, near halftime of that Vanderbilt game on the 29th complaining of a headache uh he soon passed out uh on the sideline and then came to and then passed out again as the team was going into the uh, to, to the locker room and was rushed to emergency surgery uh for a head injury so you know, from from what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, um, he's shown progress. He's been listening and responding to music uh, that his mother, Stacy, um, has talked about. Um, he's he's been raising his thumb, uh, sort of a thumbs up. Um, he's been squeezing hands, his mother's hand, and showing different sign. And what Rod Reed said earlier this week, I had a chance to catch up with him uh, on the uh, Ohio Valley Conference coaches teleconference, and he said that. You know, the the <clears throat> they needed to see some sign of brain functionality, and uh, and Christian has been showing that he still has a long way to go. But you know, thoughts and prayers continue to be with him and his family throughout this process, and it's one that's really galvanized that community. Yeah, no question about it. And and you write about the fact that you know it it seems at least to have brought this team a little bit closer. Yeah, it did. It has. It has. And and you know, one of the things that that, that Coach Reed shared. Um, you know, with me to ask, answer my question, and one of the things that, you know, uh, following uh, Stacy, you know, the, the Abercrombies on on Twitter, um, you know, these players, man, I mean, that's, uh, the the campuses from Vanderbilt to Tennessee State are only separated by three miles, um, so they're both sort of on that. I believe that's the north end or something like that um, uh, of town, I believe, but it's it's separated by three miles. Um, so players have been going from practice over to the hospital after practices. Um, they've been going during breaks, during their uh, academic classes, uh, going back and forth to the Vanderbilt uh, Medical Center to check on Christian and just to be there. And, and Rod said, Rod Coach Reed said, look, man, it's it's been times where he's endured, you know, 17, 18-hour days working, and then he goes, finds the strength to get over to the hospital, and he goes there and he sees two or three of his players there, and it just re-energizes everyone. And, you know, to have to still go through that every day and still get ready for a game, you know, you started off 2-0, and you lost two straight after that, um, including the close loss, almost an upset bid against Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, 
and, and still having to play football during a season that was already disrupted by, you know, two different weather situations. I mean, Southern Heritage Classic canceled by lightning and flooding in Memphis on, on September 8th. And then the following week, Hurricane Florence uh, canceled their game against Hampton. You know, so they, it's been a disjointed season, but I think it's one that's put everything in perspective uh, as they've rallied around one another to support uh, Christian. All right, my next question, I'm going to separate what obviously happened to Christian Abercrombie, uh, which definitely was tragic, but uh, separated from my next question. So, well, I guess it is sort of combined, too. So do you think that the loss to Austin P had something to do with Christian Abercrombie? Because, I mean, if you look at Tennessee State over the last couple of years, they've had these opportunities to maybe make the FCS playoffs, perhaps challenge for the OVC. Then they lose these games to teams with losing records. And then, you know, they, they don't make it. So I don't know, was was the Austin P game a function of what we've seen in the past or was it a function of what was going on with Christian? No, I think even before that, you know, Tennessee State has always been, you know, sort of inconsistent at best. Right. Um, they've had talent. They have D1 talent all over that roster because of the guys that come in and transfer. As a matter of fact, uh, their starting quarterback, Demry Croft, uh, was a transfer from Minnesota, I believe, and he's come right. in and had an impact on that team. Last year it was Treon Harris, who came in as the Florida, Florida Gators quarterback, came in, and now Treon is playing wide receiver. So they've had an abundance of talent. They just hadn't been able to put it together. The loss to, you know, Austin P last week. Austin P is an improved program. I mean, they probably were the most improved team uh, in that conference last year, certainly uh, with the way they played. But when you give up, you know, when you turn the ball over four, five, six times, um, you know, that's, that's going to hurt you, and especially in a two-possession type game. So I, I do think the emotions uh, were involved in it as well. It's hard to maintain that level of emotions, especially when you're talking about drastic shifts. They carry Christian's shoulder pads and jersey and helmet onto the field when they came on, and they set it on the sideline. So, you know, that was emotional at the beginning of the game. And then when that adrenaline rolled off, they had to go out there and actually play. That's the voice of Mike Wallace. He's the editor of Grind City Media. You can check him out on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You can also check out his work at GrindCityMedia.com. So let's shift gears. Mike, talk a little NBA, man. You know, the we talked so much last year about the Grizzlies, and they had a bunch of injuries, Mike Conley, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what's the deal, man? Is is, is Conley ready to rock and roll? How do you see the Grizzlies um, coming out this season? Are they going to get back to that playoff form that we've seen them? I mean, one of the more consistent playoff teams in the NBA over the last five or six years. Yeah, it is. It's, it's an important season for the Grizzlies because the, the franchise is at a crossroads right now with with respect to its roster and the direction that it's going. I mean, you know, Mike Conley's a guy that's missed 114 games or so over the last three years because of injuries. And, I mean, he's he's basically, if he were in the East, he'd be an all-star. It's just because he's in the West that his numbers hadn't stacked up as well against some of the, you know, the Steph Currys, Russell Westbrooks, you know, uh, you know Dame Lillards and, and, and all of those guys. I mean, James Harden's, all the guards that are Chris Paul's. Um, it, it's tough to get a spot on the roster when you're talking about all of that kind of talent. But um, he's healthy right now. He came back from the Hill surgery, uh, j- from January Hill surgery. He's played phenomenally in, in the preseason. Uh, he's gotten his minutes up. He's back to that quick step, flashy point guard type play. 
Um, and the Grizzlies have built the roster that can support and sustain what Mike Conley's trying to do. So I think that's going to be key. The West is going to be so, so tough, though. The Grizzlies are far better than the 22-60 and 60 team that they were last year because of the injuries and all of that kind of stuff. Um, the dismissal of David Fisdale in November and the injuries that follow. Um, but even if they double those that victory total, it's going to still be tough to make the West playoffs because it doesn't guarantee you anything. It took 47 games to barely get you in the playoffs and the playoff uh, at, at that stage last year. So um, we'll see. But the West is certainly stacked. The Grizzlies will have their, their work cut out for them. But I, I like their chances with Mike Conley being healthy, Marcus Gasol being back, and Jaron Jackson Jr. anchoring sort of a young core while Conley and, and Gasol anchor the veteran core of the roster. Your thoughts, um, first of all, Golden State, I mean, do you think they're, I mean, still the favorite uh, in the West and then the dynamic of LeBron James now coming to the Lakers with that young team? Where, where do you also think the Lakers could ultimately finish in the West? I, I still think the uh, the Golden State Warriors are the cream of the crop. I, I think Houston sort of weakened itself um, initially by by letting you know uh, Trevor Ariza get away and you know some uh, and Luke Bamute get away. Some of the perimeter defenders that they certainly could use and have used uh, to sort of put themselves in a primary spot last season to go up three two on Golden State with a chance to close them out before Chris Paul got hurt. But Golden State is still at the top. I think Houston is second, and, and I think LeBron has elevated the Lakers to probably the third best team uh, in the West right now and and you know again this is a guy that if he's on your roster you're usually going to the conference finals at the very least and and the NBA finals because he's gone there what seven eight straight years so you know LeBron changes the dynamic he 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 elevates the city but I will say this though because what I don't want to do is get too far down the path and any true Laker fan will, will, will tell you Yes, they embrace LeBron James and they want him and you want to have a guy that uh, is an all-time great. But there's nothing that LeBron can do for the Lakers that Kobe hadn't done, that Shaq hadn't done, and that Magic hadn't done. So anytime, you know, when you talk about King of L.A. and, and the legacies and all of those kind of things, it's going to be difficult for LeBron to even come close uh, to satisfying what they've already experienced. Now, if he can get them back into that Western Conference Finals, I think that is, is everything beyond that is gravy uh, in terms of what the Lakers can accomplish. But LeBron can certainly put you in a discussion to do that with the uh, with Golden State or Houston. Lastly, of course, Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media, is joining us here on the program. So what are some of the stories, man, some of the things maybe that uh, that aren't being really talked about with respect to the NBA that we should be on the lookout for? Of course, the NBA season, our regular season starts next week. Yeah, it's, it's it's right around the corner, man. And, and I think what what's going to happen, you know, in the Eastern Conference. I mean, what, you know, is 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 you know Philly really ready to take the next step and challenge Boston? You know, two young up and coming teams, but two teams that have the 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 tradition that goes back to the '60s, '70s, '80s um, of, of some dominant basketball. And I think they they've restored themselves uh, back to the legacies that they've established uh, from generations ago. Um, that's going to be a key. Obviously, you know. Draymond Green's injury status is going to be huge, very huge for Golden State in terms of determining, you know, whether he's going to be, you know, sideways all season. He's their defensive anchor, man. And I think if Golden State is weakened by anything, it'll be injuries before anything else. So Draymond Green's injury status is going to be a huge thing. When will they get Boogie Cousins into the lineup? Uh, that's something that you got to look at, too. And then finally, we need to figure out what's going to be resolved from this Jimmy Butler situation. Um, Minnesota is a team that made the playoffs after a long drought last season. They want to build on that. But this Jimmy Butler trade situation, stay situation, is uh, is so volatile right now 
that it, it, it can threaten to derail what they're doing if they don't, you know, do something quickly and, and resolve this one way or another. So those are some of the big, bigger storylines going in. Some of the, you know, some of them are, are been discussed widely. Some of them have been sort of under the radar. Uh, but it's going to be an intriguing season, man. Watch out for Utah too. Utah is a team that that is very very dangerous that people aren't talking about. They surprised some people by getting up to the four seed last year. They could be probably the most improved team in the in the West as well, uh, in addition to the Lakers. Well, I'm I'm sorry I did say lastly, but as a as a guy that has covered the league for so many years, what is your take? I mean, you know, what is your take on the Jimmy Butler situation? You know, when, when when the reports came out about this practice, this infamous practice when he, after three weeks away from the team, came back and, and went to work and then went in there. And, and I mean, it's it's urban legend at this point, some of the details. But, you know, obviously he was he was emotional. He went at some of the young anchors, obviously, um, Carl Anthony Towns and, and Wiggins. And, you know, he basically questioned their manhood, looked up at the front office executives reportedly and, and cursed them out. Um, that strikes me as a guy, number one, that's angry because he couldn't trust uh, the organization in his mind to do what they said that they were going to do, which was try to move him. Um, now he has to come back. And I don't think that's going to bode well. I mean, obviously, there's a lack of trust and, and, and camaraderie in that locker room that I don't think you can get by. Now, having said that, some of the greatest teams in the NBA history have had knockdown, drag out brawls among players in practices and on planes and everywhere else, and they still manage to get the job done. But this is a different age right now. The sensitivity level, the social media, the agents involved, news leaking out all the time, it, it makes it tough to mend fences. Um, so that's going to be a huge challenge for Minnesota moving forward. He is the senior editor of Grind City Media. He is Mike Wallace. You can follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Mike, great to catch up with you, man, and we look forward to talking with you throughout the season. Hey, anytime, man. Thanks a lot, D. Appreciate it. A conversation with Washington Wizards point guard John Wall and my top five players at the midway point up next. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. We're at the midway point of the college football season. It's that time in the show where I give my top five players at the midway point. It, it was tough because there are some players that are really performing. And as a matter of fact, there are a couple of players on this list linked to other players. Let's get right to it. At number five, I have Howard wide receiver Jaquez Ezzard. I mean, this kid is averaging almost 23 yards per reception has five touchdowns 24 receptions 546 yards he's averaging 136 and a half yards per receptions having a phenomenal season um was uh he along with kyle anthony the two go-to players for kaylin newton and boy ezert is really really getting it done howard is putting up all kinds of points unfortunately they don't have the wins to show they're one, you know, they've only won one game so far this season, but still have plenty of game remaining. At number four, I've got the quarterback for Morehouse, Michael Sims. Talked about him a little bit early on in the program. This kid is unbelievable as he's averaging about 206 yards passing per game, completing 63% of his passes, nine touchdowns to two interceptions. And the, his play is really making things happen for 
Morehouse. He had the bomb throw at the end of the game at the Chicago Football Classic against Miles that won the Maroon Tigers the football game. He has really come on. But to me, he's one of those players that has a link. And his link is Santo Dunn, the running back. I had already mentioned him a little bit early on. 95 carries, 647 yards, averaging almost 7 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. And, and so Michael Sims is getting it done. But, boy, Santo Dunn is really helping him. So I got Michael Sims at number four with an assist from Santo Dunn. At number three, it's Kalen Newton. Newton is putting up all kinds of unbelievable, um, really, uh, stats. And the thing about Newton, again, he completed right around 50% of his passes last year. Right now, he's up to 55% of his passes completed. He's throwing for 320 yards per game. And also, in addition to that, he's also running the football as well. He's averaging 62, almost 63 yards rushing per game. This is a kid that's averaging close to 400 yards of total offense per game. He's thrown 10 touchdowns to six interceptions. That's a better, so, you know, that's better than last year where he was 15, I think it was 15 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. So everything is up about Kalen Newton. The problem, as I mentioned before, Howard hasn't won a football game. And again, uh, you know, I, I had to separate the two between Ezard and then ultimately Newton. I mean, they both belong on this list, undoubtedly. At number two, it is Amir Hall, the quarterback for Bowie State. If you look each and every week, he's throwing for in excess of 300 yards per game. Is he having... The season maybe that he had last year, you know, to this point, maybe not. I mean, you look at the 15 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He had all of four interceptions on last year. You know, not as high-powered an offense. Still a good offense for Bowie State. Not as high-powered like last year. The running game is good, but it's not dynamic like it was on last year. Still, he's completing 68% of his passes. And I don't get to see all of the Bowie State games. So I don't know if some of those interceptions that were thrown were because receivers ran the wrong route because it bounced off of a receiver's hands because it was batted in the air by an, a defensive lineman. I don't know. Um, I would venture to say that the seven interceptions are high and probably a lot of those not on Amir Hall simply because of what he's done. He's progressed each and every year that he's played. And I, it, it's just hard for me to believe that he would have thrown seven interceptions without there being some kind of miscommunication with the receiver, again, a drop pass, a ball off the hands, a batted ball, or what have you. And in, in further to the point, what makes me think that is he's completing 68% of his passes. It is absolutely phenomenal. Number one on the list of my top five players at the midway point, Jalen Morton the quarterback for Prairie View A&M. Listen to these numbers. He is uh, completing 51% of his passes, so you want the completion percentage to be better. No question about that. But for 1,427 yards, 13 touchdowns, he also has just two interceptions on the season. And with that, he's also the fourth leading rusher in the SWAC. 
484 yards rushing, averaging 6.5 yards per carry with five touchdowns on the season. This kid is having a phenomenal season. Prairie View A&M, they may be 3-3. Three and three. Again, I say this almost every week. They're three losses, two to FBS opponents, one to uh, Sam Houston State. And Prairie View A&M's got a good game. It's a good matchup that they're going to have against Southern this weekend. But Jalen Morton is getting it done. But again, he's a, Morton is another guy that is tied to uh, one of his teammates in Dewanya Tucker, the running back. 794 yards rushing on the season, 8.4 yards per carry with four touchdowns. So Jalen Morton is my number one. But again, tied to him is Dewanya Tucker. But I tell you what, Jalen Morton is having a really Really good season. So, again, number five, Jaquez Ezzard, the wide receiver for Howard. At number four is Michael Sims, the quarterback for Morehouse. At number three, Kalen Newton, the quarterback for Howard. At number two, Amir Hall, the quarterback for Bowie State. And at number one is Jalen Morton, the quarterback for Prairie View A&M. Interested in your thoughts? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X. The number two, R-O-W. The NBA season begins next week. And because of that, we're going to take a listen back to an interview we had almost two months ago with Washington Wizards all-star point guard John Wall, who joined us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. So I, w- I want to ask you, I mean, I know, you know, maybe it wasn't the season that the Wizards obviously expected uh, on last year, but uh, can you speak to what the addition of Dwight Howard will mean for this team? Well, from the looks of things, I mean, it looks like a great piece for us to add. Um, I have a little bit that can finish, catch lobs, uh, scoring the post, you know, a little thing that you kind of need that it's kind of hard to find on because you've got a build that can score or athletic or you got a build that can run run and switch pick and roll and do those type of things. So um on paper the right never got a lot. There's a team you gotta find chemistry. Um figure out and make sure everybody getting eight touches and make sure everybody's happy. Again, and you know, Dwight Howard obviously is a big um addition, but also the additions of Jeff Green and Austin Rivers to this team. Can you speak to those and how that will help this team as well? Well I think just um having Jeff going up a lot, just his veteran presence, um him being able to play for four to five positions that can help at any time on the court. And then Austin is going to be big for the thing. He's been a great guy that can score at the bench. Um, somebody else that can put the ball in for a creative shot for itself and for the teammates. So I think probably this will be the deepest bench you have. And then, I mean, having Thomas coming back and Jan and then definitely having KO, somebody that's improved year by year. Uh, I think he has a lot to improve this year. Yeah, is this – so to me, I mean, with those additions, and, I, you know, I, I mean, I follow the Wizards. I follow – um, you guys, I mean, it seems to me, I mean, I, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of folks, so-called experts and so forth are sleeping on this team, I think, with the nucleus and then the additions. I mean, in my opinion, this is a, you know, this is a, a, a t- at least a top four team. You feel like this is the, the team, this is the year, meaning 18, 19 year, that the Wizards can now take that next step. That's the goal. I mean, that's the goal. Uh, just trying to go in there, work as best we can, um, coming to training camp healthy, um, trying to hope that we stay healthy throughout the year and just let our games and our talking. That the voice of John Wall, five-time All-Star for the Washington Wizards, eight years 
in the NBA. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Does it feel like it's been, I mean, you know, you came into the league after one year um, at Kentucky. Does it feel like this is getting ready to be the 18-19 season, your your eighth, or excuse me, your ninth year in the NBA? No, nah, man, I feel like yesterday I was just 19, about to be 20. almost <laughs> 10, so, I mean, time waits for nobody. Um, the best you can do is just take full advantage of every minute you have out there. Every time you have a little life that you got, take advantage of love, and that's exactly what I do. Yeah. A couple more thoughts with John Wall, a five-time NBA All-Star who joins us here on the program. It, it, how, John, is is this offseason in terms of your regiment, your training, uh, going to be different from perhaps other off-seasons? Oh, well, this season, I mean, last year I think I had the best offseason. Then I got hurt I mean, early on in the season with a bad accident hit. And that kind of made me frustrated. And this year I just... When came back after the injury, went into the playoffs trying to be healthy. And now I, mean, I came with another mindset. I just had the same summer. I had a my game. The three-point shooting, man. I mean, you had, you had a career high uh, in terms of the percentage at 37%. Uh, Can you kind of speak to that and how you've really worked on that outside game and then more specifically the three-point shot? Well, for me, it's just being keep shooting the same shot every time. You know, I mean, you have to make a couple or do things like that. Trying to get cute with. That's the problem with people like me. Basically, basis for me is just staying basic to the game. I'm just taking the shot, the same shot I work on every day. And then I'm not taking bad shots. I mean, before I used to take over the end of quarter threes, or it's, it's four or five seconds on the clock, just take a bad desperation three. Um, when you take those bad shots out of it, the percentage, I think I would have had a better percentage of the time more. But it's just about maturing and improving your game, and that's something that I've been doing every year. Can you speak to what Raleigh means to you and to be able? I know I know you do it in D.C., but you're from Raleigh. What Raleigh means to you and being able to give back to the community? Raleigh, there's um, the name who I am, the toughness, the goodness, the competitiveness I have, the back down from nobody type of mindset I have. It's all built from this city. I mean, I wouldn't change nothing on the world. I hold this city on my back no matter where I'm at, and I stand tall on that. Um, it's exciting to be able to come back and just be able to ride down the streets and see places where I used to come and drive my little car to high school or just walk around with my friends or go play basketball. And now I'm sitting here and I'm one of the best players in the NBA, a superstar, and I'm saying I'm from this little town, you know what I mean? So it's great for me. Um, I definitely want to do even more back here than something I'm trying to do. I mean, everybody thinks it's going to take time to make sure all the other stuff is straight and, and focusing and working well. So I enjoy being from here. I enjoy getting back from here. And hopefully all the kids enjoy what I do for you. Washington Wizards all-star point guard John Wall here on From the Press Box to Press Row. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Michael Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, for joining us today here on the program. For more information, log on to our website at boxtorow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Thank <laughs> you.